part of this chapter and the last part of this chapter. Spoke some from here last week, made reference to it. When Abinadad's widow was in need and he took care of the 150 prophets died she was he was in debt the debtors come to take her son but God supplied the need in the midst of her emptiness I want to look today at verse number one and it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the earth. So Elijah went and presented himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Samaria. And I want to jump over to verse 41. It said, Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went up and ate and drank, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. And so he went up and he looked and there was nothing. Seven times he said, go again. And it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there's a cloud, as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, go up. So say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened that in the meantime that the sky became black and clouds and wind. And there was a heavy rain. So Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran ahead of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you're doing for us, in us, and through us. We pray now that our time together in your eternal word will be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, that you will speak to us clearly and define our destiny and cause our purpose to become more pointed in these moments that we spend in your presence. For this, we'll give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Tell your neighbor, I hear rain. I don't think that one believed you. Find you another one. Tell them. I hear rain. Here, Elijah pronounces judgment for sin. He is, was speaking to Ahab, was the king. He was the puppet for Queen Jezebel. And we see that they had killed many of the prophets in an attempt to silence the voice of God that would call them to repentance. The nation was led astray through their idol worship of Baal and Ashtoreth. 
And one of the chief claims of the Baal worshipers was that all rain was controlled by Baal. The weather was controlled by Baal. He got the credit for every drop of rain that ever fell. So one day, Elijah walks into Ahab's throne and he says, As the Lord God lives before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now that's more than being arrogant, that's knowing that you're on an assignment. When you walk into the king's chambers knowing that he has the authority or should I say the power in which to put you to death, but he speaks truth. How many know we need that kind of talk today? That even though that people may hate on us and they may disagree and even put us out, but we need to hear truth because Truth will give us victory in our lives. You think that, he says, you think that Baal is bringing the rain, but I want you to know and I'm going to prove to you that it is Jehovah God that produces rain. And for the next three and one half years, Israel goes without one drop of rain. The streams and the ponds, the lakes, the riverbeds, they have all dried up. The water reserves have evaporated and the vegetation is not to be found. The fruit has withered on the vine and their crops have failed. Famine has swept the land. The grain reserves has now diminished and there is a failure in the economy. The jobs are lost and there is a loss of life. Animals are dying as well as the people, and now men begin to resort to cannibalism. Wherever you would look, there is wilderness, there is destruction, there is death. And God miraculously sustains Elijah by a brook and by ravens. Never seen the unrighteous forsaken never seen his seed begging for bread. My God shall supply all of my needs according to the economy, according to what is available. No, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord. After three and a half years, Elijah senses that that. It's time for a shift. He has not seen anything, but he senses in the spirit that it is time. James 5 and 18 said, He prayed again, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Some are in drought. The heavens are brass. The the blessings are cut off. And we all deal with this from time to time. We, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how much you read your Bible. You ought to do that. It doesn't matter how much you come to church. You should not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a matter of some are. But the reality of it is doing your best, you will find yourself from time to time in a spiritual drought. 
Whenever it seems that everything is dry, the heaven seemingly uh, is brass, and it seems as though that no matter how much uh, you have discipled yourself, no matter how much you have disciplined yourself, we're still dealing with this, this drought, this lack that is in our life. Proverbs tells us in chapter 16 and verse 15, his favor is the latter rain. Hosea 6 and 3 said, He shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter rain and the former rain at the same time. Joel tells us in chapter 2 and verse 28 that in these last days, says God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. On my servants and handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit and they will prophesy. There is a blessing that can only be compared to a deluge or an outpouring, not just a drop, not just a dribble, not just a mist or a dew, but a downpour that comes. And the Bible promises us that in this last day that such a thing will take place in the earth. I know that it is against everything that we see. I know that it is at the appearance of it that there is no way we are so far away from seeing a third great awakening. It seems as though we're so far away from people even being desperate or for that matter desiring the presence of God. It would seem that our world has gone crazy and and there is no desire, there is no passion, there is no hunger for the things of God or the things of the Spirit. But I submit to you today that where we are is a great place to see a downpour of His presence in our hour and in the life in which we live. You see, it was not that it was so, the atmosphere was right. It was not that everything had lined up. The stars did not fall into place. The the, the governmental system of the day was not in order and saying we need God back in our country. It was the the opposite of that. Kind of looked like what America looks like right now, where they want to exclude God and try to say he's dead and we don't need him in our government and we don't need him in our society but I want to tell you that in the midst of all of that is where God began to reveal who he really is and I submit to you today that gross darkness shall come upon the earth that's what Isaiah said but he said in the midst of gross darkness he said arise and shine for the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us praise God And so I know today that it may look like that we are in gross darkness, but we are in a great place for a manifestation of God's presence in our life. In spite of my expectations, in spite of my desire, in spite of all that I do, I still find myself in drought from time to time. It's, it, it's interesting to me because some people, they act like that, that they don't ever go through anything. Amen. But the reality of it is, is 
This Christian walk is a process. It's ebbs and flows. It's mountaintops that are beautiful. And it's valleys that are so deep and treacherous. But somewhere along the way in this walk, you've got to learn how to bring a balance that when you're on the mountaintop, you don't get so excited that you forget who brought you there. And when you go into the deepest and the darkest of your valleys, that you don't forget that he's the lily in the valley. And he is also the bright and the morning star. That wherever we are, that we can have this pace and we can have this reality that wherever we may be and wherever the circumstances may be, that he alone is still God. Amen. It may be low tide. It may be a downtime. But I want to tell you that there is a time for all things. There's a time for laughing, but there's also a time for crying. There's a time for dancing as well as a time for mourning. There's highs and lows and ups and downs. And Elijah, we see, had power. He could call fire down from heaven. He could open the Jordan with his mantle. They even raise the dead, and yet he finds himself in a dry place. Look at his life story. It is almost comes to a place of he is suicidal. He is saying to God underneath the juniper tree, I'm the only one left. Just let me die. Leave me alone, God, and let me die right here. It came on the hills of defeating 450 false prophets of Jezebel. It was on the hills of his greatest victory that he found himself in the lowest place of his life. I want to tell you today, and I'm not the, I'm not the, the, the TV evangelist. I'm not here to get your money. I'm here to be your pastor. And so I got to preach it right and tell it right. And I want to submit to you today that in the midst of your greatest victory, on the hills of it, you will have your greatest battle. It will seem as though that God is nowhere to be found. Just the day before you were defeating 450 prophets, just before you were calling fire down from heaven, just before you were showing a nation who your God was, and now you find yourself underneath a tree, hid out and suicidal. You see, we all go through life. It's called life. None of us are exempt from it. Those who live godly will suffer persecution. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but hold on. The Lord shall deliver them out of them all. Praise God. And so you see, we go through difficult times. We go through times and seasons. We know who our strength is, but we still become discouraged. Amen. You find yourself asking God, how long? I'm not doubting God. I just need to know how long. (coughs) Don't need to know how you're going to fix it. Just need to know how long. Don't need to know all the ins and outs. 
I just need to know, is it going to be three days? Is it going to be a month? Is, if, is it going to be six? If I just know how long. I'm not questioning God's authority. Have you ever asked yourself, have you ever asked God how long? Amen. Elijah went back to Carmel, back to the place where God had answered his prayer before. Amen. And God had moved before. And he tried and many times we need to return back to the place that God heard our prayer before. We need to return back to Bethel. We need to return back to Carmel. Amen. We need to return back to the place where the God spoke to us. He gave us direction. Amen. And that's what Elijah did. He returned back to Carmel. Amen. And it was there that he was tried and he was tested. His prayer worked before and he knew that it would work again. It was, it, it was there that in that place where that his life began to start. It was there that God gave him direction. And, and, and many times in our lives, we hear from God. We hear direction. We hear the call. We hear the purpose. We hear him say uh, into our life whatever it is that he says. But then we go from there. And the further we go from there, the more we begin to doubt God. We begin to doubt, did I really hear him right? We wonder, did God, did you really say that? <laughs> we say, God, you, I know what you said, but what you said doesn't look nothing like what I'm in. Hey, I've got one witness. Amen. But it is true that we go through life and sometimes it even looks like it's contradictory to what God said. God, you said I was going to be the head, but I look like the rear end. God, you said I was going to have a life of joy, but it looks like more hell than heaven around here. God, you promised me my family and, it, and they're going crazy. They don't even want to hear about the goodness of God. God, it looks contradictory to what you have said to me. And we begin to doubt because of what we see and forget what we have heard. But we need to look back over our shoulder and see where God has already brought us from. Whenever the devil starts messing with your head, just look back over your shoulder. When he tells you that you had it better before, just look back over your shoulder. When he tells you how worthless it is to serve God and worship God and give to, just look back over your shoulder and remember where he has brought you from. Remember that you weren't always dressed up and in your right mind and looking as good as you are today. But there have been some troubles and there has been some difficulty that has come your way. Some of you, if God would have not come to where you were, you wouldn't even be in existence today but it was the goodness of God that when you couldn't even get out of where you were he came to where you were and he pulled you 
out of a horrible pit. Set your feet upon a solid and a firm foundation. Establish your coming in and your going out. And he called you blessed. Wrote your name in the Lamb's book of life. And said you're a partaker of my divine nature. I've chosen you. I've called you out. You're predestined, praise God. And I'm so thankful that he has. Does anybody else want to thank him today for where he has brought us from? I've got good news for you. He said, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what he did for you then, he's still about to do right now. And he's got you covered in your future. Slap your neighbor a high five and tell him he's got your future covered. He tells him to listen and look. In the midst of dryness, Elijah senses the tide is about to turn in his favor. And he heard something. He said in verse 41, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Have you ever heard it in the spirit? but you didn't see it with your eyes. I'm convinced that everything starts by hearing before you see it. You hear it in the spirit before you see it manifest in the flesh. You hear it in the spirit, but then once you hear it in the spirit, then you have to begin to push on what you've heard to see it come to manifest in the natural. You have to listen to that so still small voice that you can't listen to the outer ear. You can't listen to the outer voices because outer voices will disturb you. They will distract you. They will rob you of what God said to you in the stillness of the moment. Amen. It'll take your faith from you. It will cause you to be pulled under and you'll begin to doubt and say it, it, it just is impossible. You, you got to stop listening to the outer voice and start listening to the inner voice because when God gets ready to speak, he speaks to the inner ear. Amen. What you hear inwardly may be contradictory to what you see outwardly. You may hear trouble in the outer ear, but you hear calm in the inner ear. Listen to the inner voice. Listen to what he is saying because he is telling you today that inner ear is telling you to not cast down your confidence. Don't cast it away. But he is saying, in fact, cast down every vain imagination. Cast down every voice. Cast down everything that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Cast down every contradiction, no matter what the doctor said. No matter what the lawyer or the banker said. No matter what the counselor has said. Thank God for all of them. But let God be true 
and every man a liar. Amen. You see, I want to tell you today that we've got to hear the inner voice. Elijah couldn't hear whenever he was, he could not hear whenever the storms came. He could not hear when the thunder, but I believe God spoke in the thunder. Amen. He spoke to him in the fire, but he could not hear in the fire, but it was that still small voice. Every once in a while, you've got to silence yourself. You've got to come off Facebook. You've got to quit Twitter. You've got to get away from all that mess and all turn off TBN, turn off CNN turn off Fox News it's all junk anyways and begin to hear what God is saying in the inner man because you see we can't hear the still small voice because we got all of these other voices twirling around in our life but I promise you that there comes a time in your life when you're in a drought in the midst of the storm you don't need to hear from Fox News, CNN or even TBN what you you need to hear is that still small voice of God that will speak to you in the dryness of your life and say I've got a deluge that's about to be poured out upon you glory to God and whenever you begin to hear that voice then you can begin to declare the word of the Lord over your circumstance and when you declare it and come into alignment and an agreement with what God has in heaven for you you declare it in the earth until you see the manifestation of it God said I've got rain for you but yet Elijah went and put his face between his knees that's the birthing position but it's also the prayer position some people say well whatever God wants that's what's going to happen so Whatever. Well, if that's true, why did Elijah pray? He heard the will of God, but now he begins to pray for the will of God to be manifest in the earth. That's the reason why we're going to have prayer time. We're going to have reset prayer here August the 7th through the 28th because we we know what God is saying, but we want to see it manifest. We want to see the fulfillment of it. And so we're going to set a time aside this month. Um, how many know a month's not very long when you start thinking about your life? Amen. He, told, he begins to pray. And as he begins to pray, he tells his servant, he said, go look. I heard, but you go look. I heard it, you go see it. And the servant goes, you know the story, he goes the first time, sorry sir, don't see anything. It doesn't suggest that it disturbs Elijah at all that he hasn't seen anything. It seems to appear that he just continues to pray because he knew what he heard. Huh? So he just continued to pray for the manifestation of it. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what God has in heaven. He wants it established in earth, but we must pray that it happens. 
And so he says, go look again, go look again. Seven, six times he goes, he comes back and says, I see nothing. But the seventh time he comes back and he says, I see a little something. It's not a whole lot, but it's, it, it's about the size of a man's hand. Amen. It's just about, I know it, it's not a lot. Sir, master, it's not a lot, man of God. It's not a lot, prophet. But I see something about the size of a man's hand that is coming out of the ocean. It's coming out of the sea. Praise God. He told him that's enough. Glory to God. I want to tell you today that our problem is we want to wait until it's all sealed, settled, and delivered. But what we've got to learn how to do is praise him in the little things. We've got to praise him whenever all we see is a little cloud about the size of a man's hand. But you know that what the word of the Lord said, and it may look like that at a distance, but that is coming toward us. And the fact that it is coming toward us, we're going to go ahead and prepare ourselves for the rain that God said is going to come. Amen. You see, I want to tell you today that there's times in our life whenever we miss the blessing because we give up on it because we see the little thing. But everything, Bible said, despise not the day of small beginnings. Everything begins small, amen, and ends large. The end of a thing is always better than the beginning of a thing. I read it in the book. I want to tell you today that it is there, but we've got to know that it is, I've heard, God, what you are saying. I heard that you said as we sung here today you gave me peace and so I want to thank you today for the peace that surpasses understanding. I heard you say God that you would save me and my whole house. I want to thank you today God that you're saving my family. Praise God I heard you say God that you were the healer. That you would heal all of my infirmity and disease and so I just want to thank you today God that even though my body may not have lined up right yet that your word is still I see it it's the size of a man's hand but there's a cloud that is coming our way it's not a dark cloud but a glory cloud it's a present cloud it's a purpose cloud it's an anointing cloud it's his anointing that is coming toward us to fulfill his word over our life if you believe it, give him some kind of praise today. This is one thing I know about God. If he said it, it's on the way. Never mind what you see or can't see. Trust his word. Amen. Why should I trust his word? Because it is ever settled in heaven. The grass will wither and fade away, but my word will never pass away. He said, not one jot or tittle. Amen. In other words, he's saying, I haven't wasted my words. What I said will come to pass. Amen. The servant went back seven times and finally he returned and said, I see something about the size of a man's hand. And I, 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 I said all that to get you to this. 
Because rain is coming. Rain is coming. It's interesting to me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get about 10 minutes and I'll let you go. It's interesting to me that Elijah started out running in the dark. The Bible said there was a dark cloud over him. And he began to run out of the darkness toward Jezreel. Amen. We got to once again learn how to move in the darkness. We've got to learn how to move, not wait until daylight, not wait until the stars line up, not wait until everything is perfect, but we've got to learn how to move in the darkness. Why? Because in the midst of darkness, if there's a shift that is going to take place, then there's got to be a movement in the darkness. And it was under that dark cloud that Elijah began to move toward Jezreel. Amen. Jezebel, we know is Ahab was here and Jezebel, his wife. Jezebel is the womb of fear and anxiety and confusion and depression. And this whole nation was up under her spell. Amen. But Elijah grabs his cloak. The Bible said in the darkness under the cloud, he grabs his cloak, his mantle, and he begins to run. The mantle was to let people know that he carried a prophetic anointing. There were many people that, that, were, that, that could prophesy, but the mantle said that he has a prophetic authority. In other words, other people in the land could prophesy, but when Elijah prophesied, you better be listening. Because he carried this prophetic authority and this prophetic prophetic anointing on his life amen he was the lead prophet of the day let's say it that way and when Elijah began to run he he tucked his mantle into his belt he did not take it off amen but he tucked it in there's a couple of reasons that I believe he tucked it in first of all the mantle was made it wasn't some light silk uh, material but it was made of sheepskin. It was heavy, and I believe, for, and it was long. And for two reasons, he picks it up and he tucks it in and begins to run. Number one is because of the length of it. Amen. It was long. And if he began to run with this long uh, uh, thing hanging down here, this long mantle, if you will, hanging down, then he would run and have the ability or the tendency at least to trip over his own anointing. So there's been so many people that have tripped over their own anointing. I don't even want to talk about it, but we, we have people today that are mightily anointed, but they've, they've fallen, they've tripped on their mantle, their own anointing, the thing that God had blessed them with. Amen.
You see people today that, that have that, and, and, and it's not something we want to talk about, but Elijah knew, I've got to, I can't leave this thing here, but I can't run with it hanging down, and so I've got to gird it up. I've got to pull it in so that I can run where I need to go to. The second thing, reason why that I believe he pulled it up is because of the sheer weight and he knew that he had to get somewhere. But how many know that the anointing is heavy? The mantle is weighty. Come on now. Amen. And with that weighty anointing this heavy and it would slow him down. So he reaches down. He tucks it into his belt. Amen. So that he will not trip and so that the weight will become balanced on him. We can do without a lot of things. We can do without a lot of a uh, of, of vehicle. We can do without a house. We can make it without people. We can make it without money and things. But there is one thing that you should make sure that you never leave behind and that is the mantle that God has placed upon your life because you see your mantle is your purpose the mantle represents your destiny it represents your future it represents your anointing of where that you are going your mantle is not only about you but it represents the next generation he said he girded up his loins and in his loins was the next generation and he was covering them with this mantle and saying this isn't just about Joshua but this is about Joshua and his children and his children's children this isn't just about amen whoever you are today it is the mantle of God and the anointing of God that he's placed upon your life is not just about you but it's about a generation that is yet to come it is about a people that amen if God tarries his coming it's not going to be able to start at ground zero but they need some fathers and mothers that have carried the anointing they're going to need some grandchildren that the grandparents that say I know how to pray through I know how in the midst of a drought to seek the face of God until rain comes again I know how to do it I want to tell you we need some people today that know how to gird up their mantle and run into the purpose and the plan and into their future for what God has called us. We're not behind time. We're not dead. We're not just here merely being drugged through this hour and this season of our culture and our nation, but we're here for such a time as this. God has raised us up. He has put a mandate upon us and he has anointed us for the call and the will of God to be fulfilled in the earth. If there was not a move of God yet to be seen, I declare to you we had already went to heaven but the fact we're still here is a testimony to you and I that God has not forsaken us he has not forgotten us and in fact he is going to anoint us and use us in this last hour if you want to be used of him give him praise right here Watch this, Elijah went up and he dropped the mantle to the next generation. Elisha would now take that mantle and do twice the miracles. Another generation. But 
The sequel to that in the New Testament is Jesus went up. (laughs) And when he went up, he released the Holy Spirit on everyone that believes. Glory to God. I said everyone that believes. When he went up, he released the Holy Spirit so we could do signs, wonders, and miracles. So that we could heal the sick. So we could set the captive free. So that our school system would be better. So that our cities would be better. So that we could stop this crazy violence that's going on in our nation. He didn't send it to us so we could cower in a corner. He sent it to us so we could rise up and be militant in this hour. And say, in the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we will overcome. Amen. You're wearing something today that cost you something. You received it in times of drought. The drought that should have killed you. But somehow, I said, but somehow, you're still here. You didn't let it take, uh, take away from you what it meant to take away from you. But in fact, you turned it around and you took out of that drought what was trying to take from you. You took from it and you came out with a greater anointing on your life than ever before. Amen. You have something that others need. Amen. You have something that others need. And that's the reason why that you need to open your mouth and tell others how you survived. How that even though the storms came, even though the droughts were very real in your life, you know that you made it. It wasn't, as Andre Crouch said, through it all, through it all, I learned to trust in Jesus. I learned to trust in God. Through it all, I learned you can depend upon his word. Don't just sit in silence and allow your brother and your sister to go through a drought alone. Open your mouth and tell them how you survived the test, how you overcome addiction, how you came out of that bondage, how you came out of that sin that was sure to send you to hell. But by God's grace and his mercy, he pulled you out of that horrible pit and gave you a blessed hope. Open your mouth and tell them how good he is, even though the rain may have ceased and the storm is still blowing, that he is your God, he is your comforter, and he is your prince of peace. I'm almost done. Elijah started running in the dark toward Jezreel. It's interesting to me that from Mount Carmel to Jezreel, it was not just like, poop, and there you were. It wasn't at the bottom of the mountain. But in fact, from Mount Carmel to Jezreel was 25 miles. Amen. Now, I know that doesn't mean a whole lot except whenever you put this in context that Ahab got a head start. And he wasn't running, but he was being pulled by his horses. You study the horses of the day and the king always had the best and the fastest horses. 
Amen. And I want to tell you that those horses were the best and they were the fastest. And he got a head start. Somebody today may think the enemy got a head start on you. It may feel like that, that you have already been done in and you haven't even got started yet. But I come to speak to an Elijah today. I come to speak to the spirit of Elijah inside of you that may feel like that Ahab has done got a, a head start on you. He's got more ability. He's got the fastest horses. But also I want you to understand that Elijah, when he came off of that mountain, he was not coming on his own power. He wasn't coming on his own ability, amen, but he was coming in the might of the Lord. He was coming in the power of his presence. And the Bible said that he passed Ahab on his way. And he went on into Jezreel and he was there at the city gates when Ahab showed up. Amen. What is, what is, why is that so important? Because the first one there at the city gates controls the city. Amen. And now he's at the city gate. He's in control. He has authority. Ahab and Jezebel have had the whole nation bound up for years. But now Elijah comes out of a drought. He comes out of a famine. He comes out, amen, of a, a, a spirit of depression. And he overcomes it and he runs to the city. And he says, no more, Ahab. No more, Jezebel. No longer will you stay here and keep our city tormented praise God I want to tell you today that it also speaks prophetically uh, speaks of prophetically uh, acceleration because what had should have taken him perhaps uh, four or five hours walking he made it there before the horses could get there what am I telling you it just speaks to us that after the drought is over and God speaks into our life that there is an acceleration that can take place that calls you to feel like you was left behind cause you to feel like the enemy got a head start on you but God's anointing comes upon you his word has already been placed in you and you rise up and run into your purpose run into your destiny before the enemy can ever get there amen Elijah runs from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. Why is he running to Jezreel? Well, Jezreel means this. It means to sow by God mightily. It's what Jezreel means. Sow, S-O-W. By God mightily. Elijah was running from his place of fight, his place of battle, amen, into a place where that he would be sown into mightily by God. Elijah was running into the place that God would sow into his life and he would need it for what he was going to face. Jezreel is also the place that his enemy Jezebel was destroyed. He 
runs from the place of the mountain to the place, the valley, into Jezreel, the place where his enemy would be defeated and God would sow mightily into his life. I don't know where you may be today. I don't know how long you may have been there. I don't know what you may be facing. But if you, like Elijah, have heard the word of the Lord only to not see any results, you're in a drought. Maybe you've heard the word of the Lord, but you haven't seen the fulfillment of your enemy being destroyed, whatever that is. And you certainly haven't run into the place that God sows mightily into your life. I want to challenge you today in an act of faith to move from where you are as Elijah had to move from the mountain of prayer. He had to come down. Why didn't God sow into him mightily there in the place of prayer? Why didn't God defeat his enemy there in the place of prayer? was an act of faith because it wasn't just about him he was going to take control of the city gates he was going to destroy his enemy and he wasn't going to destroy his enemy publicly or privately he was going to destroy his enemy publicly whenever your enemy comes at you publicly don't be surprised God destroys him publicly. Goliath hurled his words of accusations against God and called David everything in the book publicly. And God allowed David to destroy him in the face of a nation. I don't know what your struggles may be today. I don't know what you may be dealing with in your life. I don't know where you may be. It may seem like that it's so dry that there's no way that you could ever come out from under it. But I come today to tell you the scripture says that we are just like Elijah. We pray and God hears our prayers. You're here today and you say, Pastor, this word is for me. I receive this word today in my life. I'm in that place and I just need him to so mightily into me. Maybe it's an adversary that you need to be destroyed. But you say, I'm in that place of prayer, but I'm going to run down this mountain into the city of Jezreel. Take control of the situation. Allow God to sow into my life. Stand with me today, please. This word.